and so it's great. And yeah, and 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 thinking about my wife, you know, I think about how there are a lot of classical arguments for the existence of God, the cosmological argument, and the teleological argument, and the ontological argument, and other classic arguments for the the existence of God. But I think to myself that any honest atheist who were to look at me and my wife together would just have to say, you know, she is young, she's pretty, she's in shape. Pastor, you are not, not, definitely not. All right, I give in. There must be a God. There is no other explanation for this. (laughs) So I'm a blessed man. And uh, I'm going to work, as it says in the bulletin, Acts 16, uh, particularly verses 6 through 10. So let's look at that together, please. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision... Immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Father, this is your word that we come to dig into now. Help me in the preaching of it to explain things clearly and to bring out some good points that apply to all of us and help all of us in the receiving of it. May your Holy Spirit be with us. Open our hearts and minds to receive truths from your word and above all, to apply them and live them out in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So to think about briefly what's going on in the background here of the passage, this is the beginning of the second missionary journey. Paul went on three big missionary journeys. This is the beginning of number two. And what happened in the end of chapter 15, Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas, who had done the first missionary journey, said, let's go back and check on those places where we preached God's word and see how they're doing. But there was a big split. Because they had taken a young man named John Mark along on the first journey, and he bailed out and deserted early on. Barnabas wants to give him a second chance, a little grace. Paul says, I don't think so. He's not going with us. And so there were the, the split got so bad that Paul and Barnabas separated, and Barnabas and Mark went in one direction. Paul got another partner named Silas, and they went on this second journey that we're looking at in Acts chapter 16. So when it says they went here or they went there, It's referring to Paul and Silas and a couple of others they picked up along the way. Because we uh, see in early in 16, before what I read, that they met Timothy. And he goes along with them. And it says that since he had a Greek father, this is in verse 3, Paul wanted to have Timothy go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. You know, big divide in the early church, the Jews versus the Greeks. And so... In order to make Timothy more acceptable to those who are of a Jewish background, he gets circumcised. And I don't want to be crude, but any man who stops and contemplates this for any amount of time is going to wince in pain. And it just speaks to me of the sacrifice and the pain that's involved with being a Christian in general, and in particular, in spreading the gospel. And Timothy's willing to endure that in order to advance and to spread the gospel and build God's kingdom. Lord, what can we do? sacrifice for you what can we endure what pain can we go through it's it's not happy not a happy time when you knock on doors or, or you try to share your faith with somebody at work and they kind of look down on you or look sideways at you that's a minor thing compared to what Jesus has gone through for us Lord 
help us to endure some things, some difficulties and pains for your sake. I think about how this missionary team was sent out by the church in Antioch. That happened back in Acts chapter 13. And one of the things I want to hit on today is for us to not think about these things in terms simply of history. That happened back then. But that these things continue to happen today in our day and age. In the late 90s, our denomination, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, said we're going to have a big church planting emphasis. And we're going to plant churches in major cities across the nation, including San Antonio, Texas. And they got a guy named Tom Masterson who came down here and started Hope Church. And you know, out of that great emphasis, all the churches that they tried to start, only one made it. Only one made it. Hope Church in San Antonio. So you've got a unique and special guy as a pastor. But on top of that, I think how beautiful would it be that now that there's a renewed emphasis, now that there's this new uh, once again, many years later, now we're going to hit it again, church planting in our denomination. And we learned from some mistakes in the late 90s. And out of all the places that it could start, <laughs> to start in San Antonio, where that one church had made it, uh, y'all have such a role that you're playing. Acts chapter 16 is being lived out through your help and support and efforts here at Hope Church. You not only went through it in the late 90s, but now we're helping to lead the way in the EPC again in this new thrust to plant churches and emphasize that once again. And years and years from now, Hope Church will help plant other churches. And Lord willing, we're going to make it at Quest Church and we're going to help plant other churches as well. And it would just be a beautiful turn of events, uh, kind of things kind of coming full circle. And uh, this continues, this planting of churches. You know, I think about the big split between Paul and Barnabas and Mark, but there was reconciliation later in life. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 11, Paul says, send Mark to me because he's useful for ministry. So something happened. Some grace was extended. Some bridges were rebuilt. Fences mended. And my friends, that's the beauty of the gospel is that not only does the gospel change and repair and enable us to have the vertical relationship with God mended. Romans 5, 1 says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through faith in him. But also the horizontal relationships, the relationships with our fellow human beings are also healed and mended through the power of the gospel, through the power of grace. Is there some business in your life or mine that we need to work on? Somebody has hurt us. Maybe they might call themselves Christian but there's been a, a bridge that's been burned. Or maybe we've, we've been the ones who burned it. Either way, is there a bridge we can work on? Is there a fence we can mend? That's not an easy thing, is it? That's a hard pill to swallow. But the gospel and God's grace enables us to do that and to mend the horizontal relationships as well as the vertical relationship with our God and Father. Now, into our text, picking up in verse 6, it says that they were forbidden to preach in Asia and also in Bithynia. Closed doors. And it reminds me of Psalm 37, verse 23, which says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of Paul and Silas and Timothy are being ordered by God to get them to go where he wants them to go. And not only are the steps of a good man ordered by the Lord, but also the stops. 
the steps in our lives and the stops in our lives, all ordered by the sovereign hand of God's providence. And it reminds me of how we wound up in San Antonio. That had been our first choice, and we were interested in planning a church. Corinne was involved in two new church starts as a single woman, so I couldn't have asked for a, a more perfect church planter's wife. That's not why I married her. That was just some extra icing on the cake. But uh, that was pretty, and my first church was a new church restart, a a new church that had failed up in Tom's River, New Jersey, and the denomination was saying, if you can find a pastor crazy enough to come here, we'll give it one more shot. And uh, so there was this desire to plant new churches, and uh, it's a calling that I've felt in my life for many years, ever since my conversion to Christ. Where do we go, Lord? Well, first of all, is this a true calling or just something that I'm kind of wanting to do out of my own wishes and desires? So we went to assessment the most rigorous, intensive assessment, same one that Tom Masterson, your pastor, went through. And uh, the planters who go through that one have a 94% success rate, whereas the average success rate is 10%. So that was a way to get an external verification of that internal call. And so for all of us, when we're, we think, you know, I think the Lord might be leading me here, the Lord might be leading me there, it's good to seek the wisdom of counsel from others. Do they see that this is a path for you also, or do they have some concerns or hesitations? It's good to get an external verification of the internal pullings and pleadings and callings that we're feeling from the Lord. So we get that, and we're thinking, you know, San Antonio is our first choice, but we want to be open to go wherever the Lord leads. So on my days off, we would take these long prayer drives all over San Antonio, and then we thought, well, let's go to other cities and other places, and we did it in other places as well. Where would you have us go, Lord? And... I even applied for a church, uh, a new church start in South Carolina. I applied for one in New Jersey. I don't know what I was smoking on that one because (laughs) I've lived in New Jersey, and that was the the four longest years of my life were spent in New Jersey, and I swore I would never go back again. And I was talking to Terry this morning about snow and, and him being from South Dakota, and I shoveled enough snow in a few years in Jersey that I don't ever want to do it again. But, you know, Lord, if you would send me to New Jersey, as much as I would hate, loathe, and despise it and die, if that's where you want me, that's where we'll go. But then our son is born, and we find out very soon after that he's deaf. And so I thought, well, we're going to Austin, because Austin has Texas School for the Deaf. And we had driven around Austin and prayed about Austin, and we felt good about that, even though San Antonio was still choice number one. But then soon after, we discovered that there are cochlear implants. And I had heard about Rush Limbaugh and his cochlear implants, but I didn't think about it when it, the diagnosis came down from my son. And kids with cochlear implants, one of the very best schools in the nation is Sunshine Cottage School for Deaf Children in San Antonio. Okay, we're on for San Antonio, after all. And then where do we go? Well, I was pastoring out in Cibolo, northeast side, so we didn't want to get too close there, didn't want to cannibalize that church. Y'all are right here in Central, so that's not a good place to go. Southside has a lot of folks who speak Spanish. I speak English. Probably not the best fit there. Yo aprendo espanol, pero no muy bueno todavía, which means I'm learning Spanish, but I'm not very good yet. Or at least I think that's what it means. I I have no idea. (laughs) So that leaves the west side. And uh, we drove around there. We loved it. Uh, We prayed about it. We felt God calling us. That's a positive way. That's a positive situation of doors opening here and closing there. But I bet you can think of times in your life where there's been some painful ones. There have been some ones that just kick you in the teeth. I wanted this so bad. And it just didn't. This was the dream, the great dream for my life. And it didn't happen. 
and the door was closed. And that is so discouraging, deflating, defeating, so just sucks the life out of you. The steps of a good man, and obviously woman, that's included there. Your steps are ordered by the Lord. And not only your steps, but also your stops. He's got you here in this place right now today, wherever it is, whatever it is, whatever the circumstances are, it's by his sovereign hand. So let's have a little more trust and acceptance. And it's, I'm preaching to the choir here. That's not an easy thing for me to do at times either. You know, I, I'm not going to be a Dallas Cowboy. Man, that was the big dream earlier in life. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, but there are more serious things as well that, that don't come to pass. Your steps and your stops ordered by the Lord in his goodness, grace, and love for you. Embrace where he has you and serve him right where you're at. So, moving on in our text, Paul has a vision in the night in verse 9. A vision appeared to Paul. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And, uh, you know, I had a dream recently myself. I have been wanting this church to reach out to a wide variety of people. That west side has a lot of different uh, ethnic backgrounds and ages. And so I wanted to make sure we had young people there. So I started spending time at Northwest Vista College, which is very close to my house. And then recently I had a dream where there I was. The campus was very crowded. There's people everywhere. And I'm just walking along. (laughs) I look down, and all I've got on is my underwear. And it reminded me, an old saying from my preaching professor came to mind. He said, you know, every pastor is going to have those weeks where it's just a bad week, the preparation doesn't go well, and you've got a dog of a sermon, and you just got to get up there and walk it. And when you've got to walk a dog, walk it boldly. And so I thought, well, there's nothing to do here. I could run away and scream. Or I can just walk it. So, <laughs> hey there. <laughs> and uh, so does that mean the Lord wants me to go preach at Northwest Vista in my underwear? I don't think so. But uh, at any rate, be careful of interpreting dreams. This was a rare thing for Paul. And he was an apostle. The, the Lord didn't often speak to him via visions and dreams. But sometimes, I mean, we have a God whose ways are beyond our ways. And his ways are not our ways. And so this could happen. The bottom line is to test everything against God's word. And I felt this strong impulse in prayer, or I had a dream or something. What does God's word have to say about it? We always want to test against that. We've got a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ from Pentecostal backgrounds who can, you know, the Lord told me this and the Lord told me that. And I've heard folks say that, and I have to say to them, no, he didn't. (laughs) No, I know for a fact he didn't tell you that because that is contrary to what's said in his word. So always check, you know, those spiritual impulses or impressions or leadings, guidings against what God says in his word. The man says, come over to Macedonia and help us. And there are so many ways that we can help others and be a benefit and a blessing to our neighbors. But the greatest help, let's not forget, is to send the gospel and to share the gospel all kinds of uh, social helps, feeding the hungry. Jesus, how important is that to Jesus? Matthew 25, that's a high priority to the Lord to help feed the hungry, 
clothe the naked, care for the poor. But the greatest help is to send the gospel because what greater need can anyone have than to make sure that they know how to have their sins forgiven and know that they're going to heaven through faith in Jesus Christ. Man, I, I'd rather starve to death and go to heaven than be fed and go to hell. So there's nothing more important than bringing the gospel. And when we do bring the gospel, you know, our society, our culture says, don't share your faith. That's an obnoxious thing to do. You're imposing your philosophy and your worldview on others. But my friends, <laughs> do you remember what it was like to be overwhelmed and overburdened with guilt? The Lord doesn't want you or anybody living with that on your shoulders. The gospel is freedom from guilt. The gospel brings such joy, joy of the Holy Spirit, assurance of salvation. These are terms we throw around, but they're so powerful. They're so meaningful. They're so beautiful. And even in practical ways, when the gospel comes to an area, what happens? All kinds of good things happen in that area. Here comes the education. Here comes the hospitals. Here comes the medical help. In India, widows being burned to death on their husband's funeral pyre, missionaries come to India and that practice stops through their efforts. The Aka Indians down uh, in South America, the famous story, End of the Spear in the movie, and the five famous missionaries who gave their lives trying to reach those people. And they died, but others came after them. And now that tribe has been transformed. Over 50% are Christians and all the infighting and killing each other left and right has greatly, greatly diminished. And on and on I could go. Those are a couple of famous stories, but there are tons and tons of less well-known stories of how the gospel comes to an area. It not only changes the individual life like it did for you and for me, it changes the entire area. So there is, in spite of what our culture says and tries to beat us down and make us embarrassed about the gospel and, and not wanting to share our faith, there is no more loving thing we can do. There is no greater help we can bring and provide than to share the good news, the simple, old, old story of Jesus and his love. It changes lives. It changes cultures and nations. And although... Uh, we're in a, quite a fight here in our nation. I am 100% confident that the gospel will prevail here once again. The Lord will bring revival and awakening as he's done in the past. I just can't imagine that as you think about Thanksgiving and the pilgrims and the Puritans and the great Christian heritage they brought to these shores, I just have to believe the Lord is going to bring good things to pass. Not only because of them and, and their ideals that they brought here, but also I think about how Jesus says the kingdom of God is like the mustard seed, growing, 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 like the leaven in the loaf, expanding, expanding, expanding. Oftentimes it's like a stock chart. There's some ups and then there's some nice big troughs, holocausts, world wars. But by and large, the gospel is expanding. Now the largest religion in the world and, and growing nicely. So I believe that the gospel will again conquer America and good things are in store for our nation as we think about patriotic things on this Thanksgiving week. Come over to Macedonia and help us. And it says they went immediately, verse 10, after they had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia. 
I love that. Lord, give me that kind of a heart that wants to obey you and obey you right now. I don't know if any of you are like me. There are times where the Lord puts something upon my heart, and I'm thinking, ah, I'm not too sure about that. Maybe I'll pray about that for another few days or another few weeks. But they went immediately. And Lord, give us that kind of quickness of spirit that when you put something on our hearts, let's do it. Let's do it now for you, for your will, for your glory. Two uh, closing thoughts here. I'm not going to look at the rest of the passage in chapter 16 and what happened in this first stop. But I do want us to think about the first three converts. Lydia, the seller of purple, slave girl, and Philippian jailer, uh, a guy who's not Jewish. And did you know that the Jewish men in the first century had a very famous prayer that they were known to pray daily? They said, Lord, I thank you that I am not a woman or a slave or a Gentile. First three converts, woman, slave, Gentile. The point being here, my friends, the gospel breaks down the walls and the barriers that divide. At the foot of the cross, they say, the ground is level. Good saying. In Christ, there is no east or west. In him, no north or south, but one great fellowship throughout the whole wide earth. Jesus breaks down racial barriers, the, the barriers of man, woman, what have you, where there's an equality in Christ. We're all one in him. And we're all covered by his one blood shed on the cross for us. It broke down barriers in Philippi in Macedonia, Acts 16. It breaks down barriers in San Antonio, Texas, and all over the world today when there are sincere Christians sincerely living out their faith in Jesus. The walls come down. Barriers are broken. And as we said at the beginning, fences are mended, bridges are built. And then the last thought. In today's passage, the gospel came to Europe. From Europe, it came here to America. A good thing to think about this Thanksgiving week, to be thankful for this passage and for this missionary journey that Paul and Silas and Timothy, oh, and, and Luke, I'll throw that in. It's not in my notes, but I'll throw that in. Notice there's a little change in the, in the uh, pronouns here. Uh, Luke is writing the book of Acts, and he's always saying, they went here, they went there, they, 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 and now it's we and us. So this must be where Luke joined Paul here at the beginning of the second missionary journey. So we were going there, he says. But at any rate, these gentlemen bring the gospel to Europe, and I think to myself how they had no way of knowing. I mean, there's just no way it could have possibly crossed their minds that some 2,000 years later, there would be a group of people sitting in a place called Hope Church, forgiven of their sins, on the way to heaven because of what they did in Macedonia all those years ago. And likewise, likewise for you and me, we have no way of knowing how our little, and we often, they seem feeble to us, our little and seemingly feeble attempts at faithfulness, we have no way of knowing how God's going to use that way into the future. You know, I think of how, you know the stories better than I do. How much good has been done at Hope Church in the last 14 plus years? 
immeasurable. How many lives have been changed? How many souls have been saved? And now new churches being planted through the efforts of Hope Church and the Presbytery. How many additional? It's like, it's like a little uh, pebble going into a pond. And the ripples just go out, out, and they keep going out. My friends, we have no, you have no idea what your faithfulness to the Lord and to this church are going to bring to pass in the years to come. We don't even know what's going to happen 10 years from now, much less how the Lord's going to use that and multiply it and bless it 100 years, 200 years, 2,000 years if he tarries that long and doesn't return. We just don't know. We just don't know. But it's a beautiful thought and a wonderful, encouraging thought that the Lord takes our efforts to be faithful to him and he just multiplies them so far above and beyond our wildest expectations. He did it for Paul and Silas, Timothy, Luke, and he's going to do that through your efforts as well. You shared the gospel or you tried to love on this coworker or this classmate at school and it all blew up and it was all a mess and you're in pain. You're thinking, I will never do that again. I tried so hard to serve the Lord. I'm not doing that again. But you just don't know. I think of churches I've served, and man, whew, you know, uh, sometimes you, you get, you know, things happen, and you wonder, wow, that was tough. I don't want to go through that again. But we just keep on trucking. We keep on persevering. We keep on being faithful because who knows how. And even the mess, even the situation that looks like it blew up and nothing good came of it, you don't know. Ten years later, <laughs> after your efforts, you don't know what God is doing in those lives that you tried to touch. That classmate wanted to punch you in the nose for talking about Jesus. Don't bring that Jesus stuff to me. But God might use that, and you never know the results. You never know. How many times have I heard somebody say, yeah, you know, somebody said something to me, and it was years later, I thought about that, and it clicked. Well, the person who said that to them way back then doesn't know that it clicked years later. All the great things that God did through this second missionary journey, through these guys taking the gospel to Europe. And my friends, there's no telling what God's going to do through you and Hope Church and Lord willing, Quest Church in the future. This is not just history. It continues today as God expands and builds his kingdom through the preaching of the gospel and the faithful living of his people. Lord, I thank you for this encouraging passage from Acts chapter 16. I thank you for these men and their willingness to go spread the gospel. Lord, help us in our day-to-day lives. How can we show the love of Jesus or share the love of Jesus with our co-workers, our classmates, our neighbors, our family? And Lord, give us a persevering kind of courage that even when things don't go well and they seem angry that we tried to love on them or share the good news with them, help us, give us that confidence and that encouragement that There's no telling how you're going to use our little efforts to change lives and change this world long into the future. How we pray for all these things to happen and for us to see some of those glimpses of how it does happen so that we're encouraged and emboldened in our faith and our desire to share Jesus with others. In his name I ask it. Amen.